Amen. Awesome. Man, Eric, I, I appreciate you bringing that song, man. That song's perfect. Thank you for your prayer. Um, you know, if you don't know me, um, <laughs> I struggled just getting my mind straight and settled. I heard a joke this week um, that said, I don't know what an HD is, but my doctor said I got 80 of them, all right? So <laughs> fighting through all of that and just to hear those, uh, those songs sung and uh, interact with you guys this morning and on a typical Sunday morning, just a lot of different things go on. I tell you, this morning, even on the way up here, driving up, I mean, I'm living down in Richardson, so driving up 75, the traffic's pretty light, and, you know, I typically, um, I like to, I don't like dodge in and out of traffic because my personality's not quite that way, <laughs> my old truck's personality's definitely not that way, but I do, you know, I make shifts when I can, and something happened, happened again this morning, <laughs> it happened last week, and I went, what in the world? And it is, because I'm, I'm a big fan of the turn signal, big fan. And so, for those of you who don't, yeah, y'all should like repent right now. <laughs> Use your turn signal. But here's the deal. If my left turn signal on my truck was not working, then I would go, okay, it's, this, it's just not going to work. But instead of just not working, what it started to do, I pulled down on the turn signal to signal left, and instead of not signaling anything, you know what it did? It signaled right. <laughs> I kid you not. I'm up and down 75, and I'm going, and cars are honking at me. I'm going, what's wrong with you? And I went, oh, and then I figured it out. And uh, for those of you who are car people, um, it's something in the steering column. I just had to, like, you know, move the steering column up and down, and maybe there's a kink. I don't know. But that's, you know, that just messed my mind up. And even this morning, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Um, but that's why I want to just, I just tell you that story for, you know, for just because I am who I am. But also, um, just to go, that, that, that's how we experience betrayal, you know? Because this morning's, um, the title of this morning's message is not just pain, not just dealing with burdens, uh, but it's dealing with the pain of betrayal. And we will see in Psalm 55 uh, that David is not just fighting enemies, but he's fighting enemies that he's close to. And that right there is surprising. It really is. Because honestly, I would rather have no left turn signal than to think I had a turn signal that went the other way. You know, that would have been a much, much better deal. And so um, if you didn't hear Buddy's announcement earlier, there are, you know, outlines in the back. And I mean, those are for you guys. I started to make them for the kids. I love working with our kids most every week. Fun getting back to from 56 camp with them a few weeks ago. And um but as it just kept going, I was like, you know, just, 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 let's just roll it out and make it for everybody. Um, and they're ultimately more for me than they are for you. So I can just like, you know, just not go whoo everywhere. So because there's a lot of things for us to learn this morning as we hear from God um, through his word. And um, what I want to do is first, I just want to just read the text. Um, we're in Psalm 55. Um, and on, you know, that little handout, if you picked one up. It is two-sided. The very back has got all the scripture. Trying to keep it on one page, you know, the formatting got a little different. We don't get the poetic, you know, blockers or whatever. But the text is there. Um, I'm reading out of the ESV, and, you know, there's nothing I'm going to say that's going to be more powerful than God's Word itself. So, um, just bear with me. Let's read all 23 verses. Verse 1. Give ear to my prayer, O God. And hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. 
Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint, and I moan. Because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they drop upon me, and in their anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away, and I would be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away and lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls. And iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace. Okay, so it's a little commentary. So David's obviously just dealing with a bunch of stuff. And then we get very specific about who he's dealing with here in verse 12. For it is not an enemy that taunts me. Then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who, le- who deals insolent with me. And yeah, okay, so dictionary.com. <laughs> insolently means rude, you know, just very badly. Okay, that's I had to look that one up. I don't know. All right. It is not an enemy who taunts me, for I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals with insolently, rudely with me, for then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We walked in the throng. Okay, throng, it's a crowd. Okay, that's another one, dictionary.com. All right, we walked in the throng. They were at church together. You see this? They were, they were sweet. They were taking sweet counsel together. Verse 15. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive, for evil is their dwelling place and in their heart. And then the turn, verse 16. But I call to God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and I moan. And he hears my voice. He redeems my soul and safety from the battle that I wage. For many are arrayed against me. Verse 19. God will give ear and humble them. He who is enthroned from old because they do not change and do not fear God. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends and violated his covenant His speech was as smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Last verse 23. But you, O God, will cast them down into the pit of destruction Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days, and I love the way it finishes, but I will trust in you. So this morning, as the title of the message indicates, we're just going to think through how does David, and then how should we deal with the pain of betrayal? Big, big deal. And the first point is this. 
It is to understand that understanding that betrayal is surprising. Now listen, okay, so if you've got your outline, you'll see on the very back, it's a lot of, it looks like a lot of scribble scrabble. Um, <laughs> the verses that are circled with the, with the, with the O, with a circle, or their circle with a circle, uh, those are the ones right there. Those are Psalm 55, 12 through 14, and 20 through 21. And again, even though we just read the whole thing, I want to say them again. Listen to this. For it is not an enemy who taunts me. It, but here, verse 13, underlined. But it is my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. Now, I just want to stop there for just a second. I want you to think through the friendships that you have, people that are close to you, and that could be a spouse, it could be a close family member, or it could just be a friend. And innately, we have this thing, right? We have this understanding about how friends should be to each other. You see? And so I found, you know, I, I, I know. I watch, I watch videos every week, whether that be reels through Instagram or TikToks or whatever. You know, I just, I just kind of, sometimes, you know, I just need some mind space and I just kind of scroll them. And I saw a video this week that I thought was awesome. And guess what? We all going to see it. Uh, because to me, we have to watch it. Ideally, if the tech works. Um, because if, as I thought of a friendship, what does a friendship really look like in its innocent core? This is what it should look like. Watch the screen. Love this video. Why you look so sad? The tears are in your eyes. Come on and come to me now. Don't be ashamed to cry. Good, good, good. Let me see you through. Cause I've seen a dark side too. When the night falls on. I tell you what, if you're not feeling better right now than after seeing that, something wrong with you. Uh, that's a good video. That's what friendship feels like or it should feel like, right? Somebody's just got you back. I don't know if that's a brother and sister or whatever, but that little dude, you know, he had that girl like, I got you. I got you back, right? But here's the thing, what we know about friendships, and so we expect that. But when we say, when we talk about betrayal, Here's what we say. We say that that person that betrayed us, it's an old cliche. They said they stabbed us in the what? In the back, right? Because you did not see it coming. Enemies, you know what they do? They try to stab you in the face. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they come in straight on. You see them coming, and David even says, it, man, if I knew if it was an enemy, I could hide. I could do some different things. I could prepare. But when we are betrayed by a friend, it is surprising. You didn't see it coming. You kind of imagine that scenario. Somebody's got your back, and then what turns out is they just stab you in the back. And, you know, we feel it all the time. You know, we'll just go, let's just go younger to older. I just know that um, working with kids and having kids of my own, um, yeah, hey, listen, you know, I've got all these friends, and you just kind of go home and get this mental picture of, 
your friends that um, you're close to, and then you hear or you see online somewhere that, hey, there was a whole party, and guess who wasn't invited? You weren't invited. That feels like betrayal, and that hurts. That actually hurts worse than the person going, I don't like you, from the jump. It hurts. You know, in my counseling practice, I worked with a guy in the last handful of years, um, and he's mid-college years, and, you know, make it super short and simple. He's having a tough time trusting people, dealing with his own stuff. And he says, I don't tell anybody about it because I don't trust people. And I went, man, what happened to you? You know? And uh, he goes back to his, again, to his junior, maybe sophomore. I think it was junior year in high school. And again, this guy's three, four years past this now. And he was dating this girl and he had a long relationship with this girl. They were dating and then they broke up. Okay, fine, that happens. <laughs> that happens in 99.9% of high school relationships. They broke up, but his group, of, so they all had this mixed group of friends, and his group of friends went her way and left him hanging out there by himself. He said they, they ultimately reconciled that, but it was years later. And to this day, three, four years later, that guy's still struggling with what he saw as betrayal. He did not see that coming. It was surprising, and that's something that, you know, we're working on, and he needs to work on. So just this, specifically today, and I like the specificity of this psalm, because it's not just, we know that David's got all sorts of enemies. We know that he's got real people trying to really kill him, but he's also just got this pain where it just feels like death. You know, it just feels like, oh my goodness. These are people that I used to have sweet fellowship with. He said, these are people in the church, right? He goes, man, we used to go worship together. You know, just go back. Verse 14, we used to take sweet counsel together within God's house, and we walked among the many. You know, like they're walking around church, and they're having sweet counsel together. And can you imagine if you've got a close friend, and I would say even here in this church, that man turned around and stabbed you in the back. That hurts. It was surprising. You didn't see it coming. And I'm going to tell you, in a lot of ways, that pain is worse than if you just had an enemy coming at you straight in the face. But it happens. You know, when I was uh, two weeks ago or so, when we were at that fifth and sixth grade camp, uh, the camp pastor, he made a point. I don't remember what, what, he was, what he was getting to. Yeah, I remember. He was talking about sheep you know, how we're sheep, and then Jesus goes after the one sheep. He's talking about just basically people in the church as sheep, and then he warned us about against wolves, you know. Uh, the wolves come and attack the sheep from without, and then he made a statement that really stuck with me. He said, you know what hurt, sometimes hurts worse than the bite of a wolf? The bite of another sheep, and that can happen in churches. That's betrayal, and it hurts, and David's surprised by it. He goes, I wasn't expecting this. If I'd known it was an enemy coming at me, I could have I could have hidden, I could have done some things, but instead he gets stabbed in the back. And so, okay, so I want you to first understand, when we're dealing with the pain of betrayal, first understand that it is surprising. It always is, you don't see it coming. And then the second point is this, acknowledge the pain and tell the Lord exactly how you feel. Acknowledge it. Verses four through seven, just listen to the language, language, my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come, along, come, come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And then he says, oh, that I had wings like a dove, 
I would fly away and I would be at rest. And then in verse 7, he says, I would wander far away. And if that's not enough, let's just skip down to verse 9. Verse 9 says, um, hold on. Yeah, verse 9 says, destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I see, div- I see violence and strife in the city. What he's saying right there, he goes, com- he goes, these people that are coming against them, he goes, confuse their communication. He's being honest with God. He's going, man, look, destroy them. Make them not be able to talk to each other anymore because I'm feeling this anguish. I feel fear. I feel trembling. Horror's overwhelming me. This is strong language. And then down in verse 15, he actually just said, look, he's going to be straight. He said, God, look, take them out. Take them out. He says, let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive, for evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. So David's acknowledging the pain. And he is talking specifically to God about what he's exactly feeling. And that is huge. Because, and it's, it's interesting to think about David feeling like this, because we know prior to this moment, David's a smaller guy, and he goes up against Goliath. And many of you, if not all of you, know the story. He's a little dude, and he's a big old giant. He's going up against him. You know, he's throwing rocks at him or whatever. The whole thing, and he just steps in strong, right? And then how in the world do you get from that to this? How do you get from I'm destroying giants to this place whereby I just, I'm, I'm, I got fear. I'm overwhelmed. I, I don't know how to make sense of this. And here's, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that the answer to that question is not even important. This really doesn't matter. Somehow you got there. I think there's some value in going, okay, how, how did I get here? There's some value in that. But in the moment, guess what? You shouldn't go, you shouldn't have this pride thing or this self-contempt thing or this shame thing going on about you because I don't know why I'm struggling right now because, you know, before, I mean, I was at my peak, man. I was top dog. I'm doing my thing. I felt great about all the life. I'm handling it. And now all of a sudden I'm, you know, I'm in fear, trembling, horror is overwhelming me, heart is within anguish with me. You know, I just don't think it's profitable, honestly to go, you know, I, mean, I can't believe I was there and now I'm here. I mean, if you want to think back to growth, but in the moment when you were just in the middle of suffering, I don't want that to be a thing that keeps you back. I don't want that to be a thing that keeps me back from acknowledging, you know, exactly how I'm feeling, acknowledging the pain and telling the Lord exactly how I feel. Because there's a difference, okay? There's a difference um, between telling the Lord how you feel, telling the Lord, and we'll get to this more in a minute. There's a difference between that and a different, and then saying, you know, I'm struggling right now, and I know that God is good, and I know that he's going to take care of me. I know that he will sustain me. You know what? That's awesome. All those things are true statements, but I want you to not miss the critical difference of saying something like that, saying truths about God versus actually going to God because there is a big difference there. And so my hope for me, my hope for all of us is that when we are betrayed, when we are dealing with burdens, you know, that we go to God. We go, God, this is exactly what I'm feeling. And sometimes that right there, acknowledging actually what you're feeling is there's actually some training that needs to happen with that sometimes. Because, you know, how often do we sit around to see people at church, especially on Sunday mornings, 
Uh, you, you may see your family at, you know, in the evening after your kids get home from school, if that's your situation. And you know what you ask? How was your day? You know what everybody says? That's good. <laughs> it's good. It's good. My day is fine. You know, whatever. Uh, you know, or, you know, it's okay. It's okay. But here's a great, great skill for all of us. If we're going to actually live these things out as we're seeing them played out in Psalm 55, is to be more attuned with what's really going on with us emotionally. Um, actually using emotional language. And a lot of times that means sitting still and sitting in it and figuring it out and actually putting words to it, which we'll talk more about in a second. Because what David says here, you know what he says? He says, man, if I could be a bird, I'd fly away and be at rest. I think that's what, verse 6? That is verse 6. And he said, I would wander far away. Now, what that says to me is a couple things. Well, it says one thing overall. That says, I don't want to deal with my pain. I just want to get away, all right? And that could sound like, I don't want to be on this earth anymore. I don't want to live anymore. I just want to get out of here because, man, this is too much for me to bear. That's real talk. That's real language. That's real emotion. It could mean something less than that. It could actually mean, you know what, I just want to distract, and whether that distraction be some sort of substance of alcohol or drugs or some other vice, you know, it could just be video games. You know, I worked with another guy um, in the last handful of years, and he's dealing with his own thought life. He can't, it's, it's hard for him to lay his head on his pillow at night because once he does, everything's quiet. And so he does everything in his power to not do that. Younger guy, not married, so what does he do? He plays video games, he watches movies, he tries to stay out with friends until he can't possibly stay awake anymore, and then he goes to sleep. And that is his version of, if I could have wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. And that's okay, acknowledge it, tell, tell the Lord. Say, this is what I'm thinking, and this is what I'm feeling. But David doesn't stop there, thankfully. Uh, point three, it is, you know, it says this, Cast your burden on the Lord, knowing he will sustain you. Verse 22, and if you're looking at your outline in the back, that's supposed to be a, I think it's a hexagram. Is that what got six sides? Hex, yep. I just don't draw very well. Verse 22 says it just like this. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Love that. Just stop right there. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. And so the point is, okay, you're feeling all these things. You understand that the betrayal is surprising. You understand and acknowledge the pain, and you figure out what the emotions are you're feeling, and you tell the Lord exactly what you're thinking, exactly what you're feeling. Now you got it. So what do you do? It says, you know, cast your burdens on the Lord, and he will sustain you. And that sounds so nice. That sounds so neat. It sounds so pretty. Do it. But if we're going to ask the real question, the, re the next question is, how does that work exactly? I mean, what is casting your burdens on the Lord look like exactly? Well, when I read that, I think about casting. I think about Peter. Um, I think about these verses. Um, it is, it's in your outline. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7 says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Hear this, verse 7, casting all your anxieties on him. 
because he cares for you. So there's this thing about throwing out. That Greek word right there for cast means throw upon. And if you think about Peter, many of you know that Peter, in his former occupation, before he started just, you know, riding around with Jesus, um, he was a fisherman. And fishermen back in the day, they didn't have these cool little lures, you know. They weren't fishing with rod and reel. They are fishing with nets. They're throwing nets out there, casting nets. I'm going to tell you, I learned it a little bit. When I was living in Louisiana, man, I knew a group of guys that all had fish camps right side by side to each other, right there off the coast of Louisiana. And we would always have these contests about how, how many, you know, who's going to catch the biggest speckled trout and who's going to catch the biggest redfish. You know, we're catching, you know, we're catching reds and specks for those of you who fish. And so anyway, so and we're always using these little rubber, um, little, these little jigs, right? We're hitting these things. We're, you know, letting these fish hit. We're just casting and casting and casting. But when I was, I was with the guy, his name is Ricky, and Ricky had been fishing, you know, longer than others. And he said, hey, you, wanna, you know what we're, we, we're really going to do? We're going to put down the side. We're going to put down those, um, th- those little fake uh, lures. Instead, we're going to go catch live bait. I said, well, how are we going to do that? And that dude brings up a net. We, we drive out, and all of a sudden, we see all these little fish. He called them pogies, right? All the little pogies are hitting the top of the water. And he took this net and had weights around the side of it. He, a dude slung that net out, and it spread out just perfectly. And then it landed, and we pulled all those we pulled all those little pokey fish in, and so we had live bait. And guess who caught bigger fish? We did, right? It was awesome. But the thing is, if you think about that, when Peter's thinking about being a fisherman, he's talking about cast, you know, your burdens. He's talking about casting your anxiety. And let's be clear on that: if you have a burden, what is a burden? A burden is a weight. It's something that's just on you. And again, we're talking specifically this morning about the burden, the weight of betrayal, but it could be like, I have a burden of, you know, I need a job, my marriage is in trouble, I have a wayward child, uh, I have a family member that's got poor health, I have poor health, whatever that thing is that's weighing on you, David says, cast it on through the Lord. And Peter says, cast it out too. He says, cast out your anxieties on him, that's the Lord, for he cares for you, Right? He cares for you. He will sustain you. And so you just think about taking a fishing net or whatever that burden is and just throwing it out there. So that's part of it. So when we say, hey, cast your, cast your burdens on the Lord for he will sustain you, what does it mean? It means that. You know what else it also means? Um, give you another classic verses from Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. It really is, you can simplify it. You know, a lot of you know these verses too. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Come to me, all who, labor, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And here it is. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So when we say, when we look at David, who's got this, super intense pain, this surprising pain of this betrayal, and that's the pain he's experiencing at the moment, and then you've got the pain that you're experiencing now, or you experienced yesterday, or you experienced tomorrow, and you go, okay, we're supposed to cast that out, but what does that mean? That means to let it go, as we just talked about, but that also just means you come to Jesus, as opposed to what we do often, at least I do, you've been, you just kind of sit in it, 
figure it out. You know, well, this is this stinks. Maybe I could do this better. Maybe I could do that better. And there's value in that. But if I stop short of scheming my own life to get out of my burden, to shed the weight that's on my shoulders without going to the Lord, I don't know how successful I'm really going to be. Cast your burden on the Lord. He will sustain you. Peter, cast your anxieties upon him because he loves you. And that's where we are. We have the power of the almighty God who can change our circumstances. And we'll talk about that, man. But instead, sometimes we just kind of sit in it and try to figure it out ourselves. Man, what a waste of, (laughs) again, what a waste of resources, you know. If we've got the power from the almighty God who cares for us, who loves us, and wants us to not be carrying around these burdens, he wants to carry our burden. Man, what a bad deal it is to not do that. Um, But here's what we do. We'll sit in that for a little bit, and and I've got one hypothesis, at least for me, uh, maybe for some of you, about why you don't do that. Is because you recognize that you're complicit in your burden, these things that are happening. It's not like you're innocently just always walking around doing all the right things and righteousness, glorifying God, and then a friend betrays you. Sometimes you recognize your own, man, well, I did this and I didn't do that right. You got your own sin. And then at that point, what you do sometimes is you go, okay, I'm not going to go to the Lord because, man, I just, I don't feel confident that I can go to the Lord. I just don't feel like I can. You know? But here's what I want you to get. And again, in your outline, just the verses, the reference. Hebrews 4.16 says this. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace in help of time of need. Gosh, I just don't know how we miss this sometimes, but we do. David's saying cast your burdens because he, he will sustain you. Peter's saying, cast, you know, cast your burden because he loves you. And then the author of Hebrews is saying, hey, you know, draw near to the confidence, with, with confidence to God. Why? Because you're going to get mercy. Yeah, yeah, you messed some things up, but guess what? God's going to give you something good you don't deserve, or he's going to withhold something bad you do deserve. That's mercy. And he's going to give you grace. He's going to give you something good you don't deserve. Because you know why? You are in the righteousness of Christ. You're not in the righteousness of yourself. You know what drives me a little bit crazy? Is when we, um, when we pray, a lot of times, we'll just kind of throw on, hey, in Jesus' name, amen, all right? And if you've grown up in the church, you're just used to saying that a lot of times. If you've grown up in a different church, you say in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, do you think? But you know, here's the deal. In the name, Jesus' name, in Jesus' name this, in Jesus' name that, I would hope that what we would do when we pray is to take more seriously, what do we actually mean? And it comes right there out of Hebrews. We don't come to the Lord himself out of our own righteousness. We come because of who Jesus is. We come in Jesus' name because of his righteousness, right? As he died on the cross, and it's imputed to us, another big fancy word, but it's given to us his righteousness, then we have the opportunity to approach God himself with confidence, not in, not in my name, not in your name, but in Jesus himself. But we don't do that because we feel like, I don't know, what if God's really, really, really mad at me? What if he's going to do this? Um, let me tell you about the, the, the being in my life 
that exhibits that quality more than anything else. And this is kind of a shameless plug for, for my own dog. But can we show a picture of my dog? That's my dog. He's awesome. His name is Vincent. Um, he just got back from the groomer right there. Trust me, I don't keep these little bandanas on his neck. I cut that off pretty quickly. Uh, that's just me. But that dog is a rescue dog, and he's awesome, and he loves people. If he knows you well, especially if, I'm having a, if you're having a bad day and he knows you, and you might be late on the couch, what that dog do? That dog will nuzzle up on you. He'll go, man, I'm just here to, you know, nuzzle up on you. But you know what he's initially, his, it, one of the, the downside to him is he loves people, but he's scared of people at the same time. He's not, he's not scared in an aggressive way, but if you saw him out in the park or if you came into our front yard, he didn't, he didn't recognize you, he's going to bark at you, and he's going to keep himself about five feet from you. Okay, he's not going to come to you directly until he goes, okay, that person right there is not going to harm me. That person right there just wants to pet my head, rub my back, whatever, and then he approaches, you see? But at the beginning, he doesn't have any confidence because he's scared. And that's what I think what happens here. We're scared a lot of times. They go, I don't want to go to God because I did this and I did that. God may be mad at me, whatever. Um, and so that's what we do. We just kind of like hold back, you see. We don't approach the Lord in confidence at all. Um, but here's the thing. He will sustain us. Fourth point is complain to God and not to people. Don't speak evil. Here's what we see David doing in this psalm. He's got all these issues. We've talked about them over and over again. I think we kind of get a picture of what he's dealing with. And then in verse 2, with a little triangle, he says, Attend to me and answer me. He's talking, who's he talking to? He's talking to God. I am restless in my complaint, and I moan. And then down to verse 17, evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan. And he hears my voice. So twice we see here that David is simply complaining. But he's, not, he's complaining to who? He's complaining to God. He says it twice, verse 2, verse 17. He's complaining. He goes, God, I'm just going gonna, gonna to reach out. I'm going I'm to let you know I'm struggling with this. I don't like this. This isn't working out well. Blah, 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 blah. So one thing that keeps us from going to God with these types of statements is, like we, talk, we kind of talked to a few of them already. We don't really quite know how we feel. We don't even know the explicit language. You don't know what to say. Sometimes it's like, I don't feel confident approaching God. And sometimes you feel like, yeah, if I just go to God and start complaining, and he's not going to like that. Because then you could go, but I got all these other good things going on, and there's value in thinking that way. But God already knows your heart. He knows. It's not like you're going to, you know, you have all these complaints within, and then, but you don't tell him. He goes, oh, I didn't realize they were complaining inside. I mean, you know, that's not how God works. He already knows. And the, the thing I want to point out to you here is a danger of not complaining to God. What's the danger of not complaining to God when you just got all this stuff built up? You complain to other people. And that's dangerous, super dangerous. Because then you complain to other people. And remember, the people that David's having problem with here in this psalm, that's people that, you know, what does it say again? We used to take sweet counsel together and we walked amongst God's house with other people and 
man, you're my companion, you're my friend. So you, got, you can even have people in the church, you know? And then somebody does you wrong, you get betrayed, somebody stabs you in the back, you weren't expecting that and you're hurting and you're complaining and all this. And instead of just going, Lord, let me just tell you what's happening. You know it, but I gotta talk to you. You'll go, hey, can, I offer, can, can you pray for me about something? You talk to somebody else. It turns out to be, can you pray for me about something? And then that turns into a whole bashing of the other person, so on and so forth. Um, or you just go, hey, you know, I'm struggling right now. Can you believe so-and-so did this and so-and-so did that? Ooh, it's dangerous. And I wouldn't do it. I don't think it's biblical at all. And again, you have to weigh your own heart. Is this a legitimate prayer request with a confidant that you really need extra prayer support? Or are you crossing that line and you just really need to vent to somebody, you know? Because here's what it says in Titus 3, verses 1 through 2. It says, remind them, this is so simple, remind them to speak evil of no one. Remind them to speak evil of no one. And instead, what we do sometimes is we go, hey, pray for me because this person, and then you just start speaking evil. Boom, 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 boom. And so it's dangerous because it's not what God's will would be for us. But secondarily, you know how else is dangerous? It's dangerous because you could end up putting a burden on somebody else. Person A talks to person B about person C. Person B wasn't even anywhere around. The person A said, person C is doing all this stuff. And next thing you know, person B born, I don't like them either now. Golly, I can't believe they did that. Now I'm mad at them. You know, you just essentially put a burden on somebody else that they had no reason to be holding. Because you know what doesn't happen very often is in these situations, if you're person B and person A is talking to you about person C, rarely does person B go, man, I'm glad you shared that with me and I'll pray for you. But even more rare than that is, hey, you know what? Whoa, 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 stop. You just want a prayer? I don't need to know all the details. Let me just pray for you right now. That's rare. But also rare is person A unloads on person B about person C. What's rare is person B then goes, you know what? I mean, let me go talk to person C because I want to hear the other side of the story too. <laughs> you know, uh, but it's in Proverbs. It just says it's to a person's wisdom to always hear the other side of the story. But that doesn't happen because you're my friend. Don't tell anybody I told you this, but, and that's how it goes on. And, you know, and then next thing you know, person B is now carrying a burden because they don't like person C either based on your one line of story. It's messy. You know, I do some marriage counseling uh, quite regularly. And the way that I do it often is I meet with a couple, but then I meet with the husband, then I meet with the wife and meet with them again, that sort of thing. But I tell them from the jump, hey, if I'm gonna meet with either one of you individually, here's what's not gonna happen. You're not gonna start, you know, loading me up to be against your spouse when I meet with you individually. There's a no secrets policy. I'm gonna go back and check that storyline out and see where we're the same and where we're, and where we're not, right? Uh, you know, because it's dangerous. I'm not gonna feel burdened by somebody else's you know, issues with somebody else. It's just dangerous. Don't do it. So what do you do? You complain to God because God can hear it. He already knows you're feeling it and he wants to hear what you got going on because he wants what? He wants relationship. And when we do these things, when we do these things, you have to recognize it's about a relationship. It's about a relationship with God. You actually get closer to God by authentically saying, this is where I am based on these burdens that I'm carrying on my shoulders right now. And that's great because here's what I don't like. 
I don't like empty, dry religion where, you know, some people go, oh yeah, I have a relationship with God and I show up to church and, and we have this methodology. We do this, 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 and then we just go home. Yeah, of course, I'm in a relationship with God, you know? You know, we show up to church and sing a couple songs, do some announcements, sing another song, you know, what do we do here? Then, um, then a prayer, then sermon, and then, you know, whatever. We kind of have, we, we kind of do similarly. I mean, we change it up some. But every church, because this is what, this is kind of how we organize a worship service. And some people go, that's what it means to be in relationship with God, but it's not it. Those are expressions, whatever, you know, worship context you come out of, and they all have got their strengths. It's like, hey, the real deal is not this run through these things, it's to have a relationship. You need the almighty God to go back to, to complain, to moan, to tell him that you're restless, to help him, I mean, to help you, you know, not complain to other people, to let him know that you know he sustains you and that you're asking him, you're asking him to sustain you. Um, which brings out, let's just go to point four. I mean, actually it's point five. Um, speak or write of your faith with God. Speak or write of your faith with God. There's a thing, when we say something out loud, there's a value to it. And I think there's actually more value when we write things down that are going on in our minds, that are going on in our hearts, things that even that we're struggling with. Because what happens is what I, what I see happening is I've been wrestling with this thing, this thing that happened to me 10 years ago or this thing that I did 10 years ago. I've never told anybody about it. I've never written it down. And so what happens is within our own hearts, we are tightly bound to that strife, to that burden. It becomes part of us. But when you're able to speak it out, write it out, you know what it does? It kind of objectifies it a little bit more and it separates you from that thing. But on the flip side of that coin, is when you speak or write about your faith in God, it does the opposite. You might feel distant from God, but when you speak or write about your faith, it actually binds you closer to God. And that's what we see David doing. Verse 16, here's what he says. But I call to God and the Lord will save me. Verse 19, God will give ear. Verse 23, it says, but I will trust in you. Verse 22, he will never permit the righteous to be moved. You hear all those statements of faith? He's writing them, speaking them, singing them even. He knows. He's saying the Lord's going to give ear to me. Lord, you are going to sustain me. You are going to save me. You are not going to let me be shaken. You know, I trust in you. Those are statements of faith. But let me tell you what you already know. Those statements of faith, they're the hardest to utter when you're in the midst of the strife. When the burden is heavy on your shoulders, that's the hardest time to offer statements of faith, to speak it, to write it. Because you know why your feelings are driving so hard. And I always think about in moments, you know how we all, all of us do this maybe a hundred times a day. And for just that one second, we thought or we acted or we spoke out of character. That's not really me. Why did I do that? What was driving at that moment? But what I hope for all of us is that our faith will drive our feelings versus our feelings driving our faith. And those are two totally different ways of doing life. You see, so David says, hey, he says it over and over again. 
the starred verses. I call to God, and the Lord will save me. The Lord will give ear. He will never permit the righteous to be moved or shaken. I will trust in you. In those moments of hard strife, intense pain, whether it be betrayal or something else, and you speak statements of faith because that's what you know to be true. That's, what's, that, that's where you are. And it's really, really, really hard, but it's really, really, really worthwhile because it brings back, because our emotions, and you know it, you ever just got hot-headed for a moment? You ever just popped off? Boy, you so enraged. Mm, you get, uh, you know, there was, uh, anyway, I, I can give you lots of examples. But in that moment where you're just enraged, you're not thinking clearly. Wouldn't it be much better if you just go, and you know what, my emotions are not gonna drive this right now. I'm struggling, and so I'm going I'm to speak what I know to be true. Those are statements of faith. Now, rounding up, what do you do next? Point six, last one. Forgive as you have been forgiven. And if you have your outline in front of you, you will notice there's no verses from Psalm 55 uh, about this because David's going, hey, man, take them out. Take them out. Just, I'm ready for them to go. And I really think there's some value. Remember? Talking that to God, I don't think there's a lot of value in talking that to other people, right? I think, you know, social media, you get arrested for saying that stuff these days. But, you know, talk to to God, I just really, really, really struggle with this. And I wish they'd just be, boom, gone. Just take them out, you know? But then what happens is that's why we don't live our theology out in the Old Testament alone, because then here comes Jesus, right? Jesus who fulfills the Old Testament. So you've got all this stuff going on. And, you know, forgiveness is the key. We see many verses on it in just a couple. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 43 and 44. Jesus says this. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And then the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, these are super, super simple verses. If we just did this one verse, how the world would change. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So we want to forgive as you have been forgiven, and that's key. Because you want to go, okay, forgive? I don't know about that, because, man, they, they betrayed me. I trusted that person for you know, sometimes I hear stories of people that have been in business together for decades, and then one business partner just, you know, stabbed the other one in the back, metaphorically, and took all the money and ran. How are you going to forgive that person, you know? Or, you know, I just, um, yeah, we talk about marital infidelity. We could talk about all sorts of things that go on in high schools and middle schools. People that betray you. It is hard. And so you just can't go, yeah, 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 I should forgive them, so I guess, uh, I guess I'll go ahead and do that, right? You got Matthew, where he quotes, quoting Jesus, is like, hey, love your enemy, but how are you going to do that? I think we get a little bit closer with the verse in Ephesians, you know, just, just be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving. The key phrase, as God and Christ forgave you. And that phrase right there helps me anyway. Because I know the depravity of my own heart. I know my own sin. I know the things that I've done to other people. I know when I've betrayed other people. I know. And you know what I can do? Going back to a previous point, I can still go to God in confidence. Why? Because I am robed with the righteousness of Christ, not my own. And so if God can do something like that, then you know what? 
He can work that through you. Because on your own, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. If on your own, you're probably going to go like, God, take them out. Take them out. You know? Um, but the righteousness of God, God through you, who got on the cross, Jesus got on the cross, right? And the people that he was there to serve and the people that he was there to save, they put him there and he says, Father, forgive them because they don't even know what they do. So if you think about his sacrifice and that level, that power of forgiveness being within you, then you can do these things. And I encourage it because I know firsthand and secondhand, when you don't forgive people, it's like just drinking poison every day. And stress goes up. Sometimes you don't sleep well. Your anxieties are there. and You just kind of got this bitter thing going on towards somebody else. And then, man, it'll wreck you. It'll wreck you, and it'll wreck you spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. We're not supposed to live under that weight, that burden of lack of forgiveness. Cast your burdens on the Lord, and he will sustain you. Right? Cast your anxieties on him because he loves you. And that's what David does. He doesn't minimize the pain. He acknowledges it. Didn't see this one coming. And then he goes, hey, you know what? This is really hard for me. Let me tell you, let me just think about it. Let me tell you exactly how I'm feeling, Lord. Let me complain to you, and I know you got me. My faith is in you regardless of what my feelings are. And then for us today, I think we've got to go, Lord, help me forgive because I don't want to. I think that's the message that we get from God today out of Psalm 55 primarily. So um, Eric's going to come back up, worship team, and I just want to pray uh, to that end for all of us. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, a lot of challenges for us. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of betrayal. Um, and there's a lot of things that are hard for us to think about. Um, and even more hard, Lord, is things that are hard for us to apply. And so, Lord, from the power of your spirit in our inner being, as we read in the prayer in Ephesians 3, my hope, our hope, is that you would dwell within us so that we could see your love for us. So we could see your love, Lord, that's hard for us to comprehend. We can't even make sense of it. And Lord, out of your power working through us, knowing that you are the God that can do anything and everything beyond our wildest imaginations, I pray that you give us not just the pathway that, Lord, you would, you would approach us, encourage us, Lord, from your spirit to our spirit. Encourage us to approach you, reminding us that you have us. You want to sustain us. You love us, no matter where we've been and what we're doing, because, Lord, we are in you. Thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross that makes approaching you even possible. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.